You just heard a portion of a track called Reach from a piece called For All Its Fury from the new album Fields by Third Coast Percussion, music of Devante Hines, performed, of course, by Third Coast Percussion with Devante Hines on CD Records. Our latest release for October 2019 and our latest with Third Coast Percussion. I'm Jim Ginsberg, founder and president of Sadie Records, and every time we have a new release on Sadie, we have a new Classical Chicago podcast. And I'm so delighted that my guest on this one is one quarter of Third Coast Percussion, Peter Martin. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So before we get to this really interesting new album, let's get a little history on Third Coast Percussion. Can you explain how and when the ensemble was formed? Yeah, we all met while we were studying music and percussion at Northwestern University, which is now the Bienen School of Music. And this was in the mid-2000s, so around 2005-2006. We had this really fantastic mentor there. His name's Michael Burrett, who's now teaching at the Eastman School of Music. But at the time, he was at Northwestern, and playing percussion ensemble was just a big part of our training and our education there. He really stressed it as a way to develop our musicianship and our skills as performers. We loved playing the music. There were no models at the time, and even now today, there's still a very few professional models of professional percussion ensembles out there. But it was music that we were really passionate about, and it was at a point in our lives where we were looking to make our own mark as musicians, and we were also all living in the city of Chicago, which is just this amazing cultural center. So we just decided to strike out on our own. We formed the quartet back then in 2006, and we just started self-presenting in the city of Chicago whoever or wherever would have us. (laughs) It started very, very small grassroots. We were playing at small clubs like the Empty Bottle and the Hideout in Chicago on stages that were way, way, way too small for us. Not because we were bigger than that, but but, (laughs) but literally they were too small because our instruments were too large to fit (laughs) on these stages. I, I literally remember having to play shows at the Empty Bottle where we were actually in front of the stage because we just couldn't fit our gear there. And that was great. We learned a lot of lessons in those early days, learned the type of repertoire that we wanted to play as a quartet. Gradually, uh, we started touring a little bit, and that started growing and growing. And at a certain point, our touring got to the point where it became our main artistic pursuit for all of us individually. We quit our respective day jobs and went all in. And it's been a fabulous ride since then. I'm really fortunate to be playing with three other just amazing and talented musicians, and it's been a wonderful experience. So did you have to adjust your repertoire for some of these early venues? I imagine metal percussion in a small space could be an issue. (laughs) Yeah, we compare ourselves. We're like a string quartet, a classically trained string quartet playing pre-composed repertoire. In many cases, we're booked on the same performance series as you would find a string quartet or piano trio or whatnot. But we have the footprint of a large theater organization, (laughs) and that can really create some complications. And yeah, you know, in the early days, that actually started then to affect the type of repertoire we could do. One of the first concerts that we did, we thought it'd be really fun to do a bunch of marimba quartets. And so we all brought our massive five octave marimbas and realized that we couldn't fit it anywhere in the (laughs) venue. (laughs) And so we realized very soon that we couldn't do that type of repertoire. But then that also led to the importance of us commissioning new works for the ensemble and for us and for our instruments, the type of concerts that we wanted to do as a group. You'd mentioned the ensemble was formed in 2006. Has the personnel changed in the years? It has. I guess it's almost seven years now. It's crazy how time flies. But about seven years ago, Sean Connors joined our group, amazing musician. And actually, in many ways, he was part of the group even before then. He was there from our very first shows. We all went to school together with him as well at Northwestern University. He was actually even involved as the session producer for our very first album, Ritual Music, was just a self-released album that had four tracks on it. So Sean was a longtime friend and collaborator for many years, and when the opportunity came, our former member Clay Condon stepped down, and Sean was the first person we called. Actually, uh, that album, Ritual Music, was recorded back in the early days, maybe only like a 50 yards away from here at Northeastern Illinois University yeah. in a rehearsal room. <laughs> and uh, the engineer was in a closet in the rehearsal room. And Clay Condon, our former member, taught percussion at Northeastern Illinois. This was before then had our own rehearsal studio and whatnot. We were just trying to get something together that we could show presenters. 
And that was our first first album. Yeah. And I should note we record these classical Chicago podcasts in the wonderful talk studio of WFMT, Chicago's classical station par excellence. Mm-hmm. And we're very glad to be here. Since you mentioned that first album, many artists and young artists and ensembles, and you guys are still pretty young, <laughs> um, start with Sadie pretty much at the beginnings of their careers. We have, in fact, cataloged over 80 debuts on the label. But that was not the case with Third Coast. You actually had a fairly rich recording history before our first album on CD. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Our first album, Ritual Music, which is a short album, just four tracks long, we did all in-house and released it ourselves. We had the opportunity to release an album of all percussion music by the composer John Cage. and That was our first work with a label that was Mode Records. And then after that, we self-released another album after that. Gosh, we've worked with so many labels over the years. We've had really, really amazing experiences working with with different labels. And oftentimes they've been specifically project-based, focusing on a specific composer maybe or a specific piece of repertoire. But we had always wanted to work with Sadie Records and and so many of our peer organizations uh, Eighth Blackbird in particular, who have always been mentors to us and and people that we look up to. They've released all these fantastic albums on Sadie Records. It was always kind of a dream of ours to be able to work with Sadie Records, and we were just fortunate a couple years ago to be at the right place in the right time and with the right album that really fit the label. Then we recorded our, our Steve Reich album, and that was an amazing experience, and it's been an amazing experience working on these last two albums. We had Paddle to the Sea that we released more recently, and then now we're going to have this album Fields. And we're also already in the midst of like talking about the next album and workshopping it. So it's really fantastic. It's been a wonderful relationship. For us, too, and I should note that that Steve Reich album won a Grammy. Yeah, hey. that was pretty cool, too. <laughs> well, not only that, but you guys got to play the Grammy pre-telecast with Ravi Coltrane. Yeah, we got to play the 2017 Grammy Award ceremony with Ravi Coltrane, and that was just an absolute blast. Uh, a once-in-a-lifetime experience, not only to play on such a big stage, but also to play with such an amazing musician like Ravi Coltrane, who his music, and particularly his father, John Coltrane's music, was a big inspiration on the composer Steve Reich. Well, speaking of collaborations with major artists, let's talk about the composer on this album. What can you tell me about Devante Hines? <laughs> Devante Hines. He's an English singer, songwriter, a multi-instrumentalist, producer, all-around amazingly creative musician and artist. I can't say enough amazing things about this person. He's most well-known today by his stage name, which is Blood Orange. And through Blood Orange, he's released, I think, to date five albums. He just released another album this year in 2019. I would say he's a little bit hard to label in terms of like a specific genre. And that's one of the things that I think I respect about him and and love about his musical output so much. There's definitely elements of R&B and dance and electronica, even a little bit of indie pop in there. But what attracted myself and, of course, the rest of my bandmates to him as an artist and as a performer is that he's really this sort of musical and cultural omnivore. That's also how I like to think of ourselves, our Third Coast percussion, is not being defined by a specific aesthetic or a specific genre or label. And the music of Devante Hines is very much like that. And for anybody that's listening, if you haven't listened to any Blood Orange, you really, really just need to. I remember when I first came upon his music and I was listening to an album. This was a an album that he released a handful of years ago, the album called Freetown Sound. But there's a track on that called Best to You. And it's kind of in the middle of that track, it goes into an extended instrumental bridge. And he basically wrote for Percussion Ensemble. This is an album that is very much in the R&B world, you know, an indie R&B world. But then for this brief, beautiful moment in the middle of this amazing song, he sort of transitions and he's writing for Percussion Ensemble. He's writing from marimbas and vibraphones. It was just amazing. And how he blended that with some of his other sonic elements that he's really well known for, these really warm, synthesized sounds. And that was just really tremendous and drew me to his music and made me realize what a strong voice and musician this is and how great a collaboration would be with him. Well, I definitely want to talk about that collaboration and how it came about, but I think I'll keep our listeners in suspense a little bit because I think it's time to get some music. Excellent. So this first piece, the big piece on the album titled For All Its Fury, is broken up into 11 tracks or sections, and we're going to hear excerpts from three of them. And the first one we're going to hear is the third track on the album that is called Coil. What can you tell us about this music? 
Yeah, the themes that are in this piece are in this specific track actually come up throughout the entire piece. What I really love about this section is just sort of how playful the music is. And yeah, and the, the character is just really fun. This is all played out on keyboard percussion instruments, primarily the marimba. It's just these wonderful lines going up and down the instrument while there's another ostinato being played on the vibraphone. And again, this, this is sort of a musical material that gets realized throughout the work in various instrumental iterations, but this is the first time that you hear it in the piece, and it just really shows off this playful character of Devante Hines' music. Great. Well, let's hear this. Again, this is from the section called Coil, from the piece called For All Its Fury, from the album Fields, and the performance, of course, is Third Coast Percussion with the composer Devante Hines. from a track titled Coil from the new album Fields, music of Devante Hines, performances by Third Coast Percussion with the composer Devante Hines. And my guest on this Classical Chicago podcast where we're talking about this terrific new album is Peter Martin of Third Coast Percussion, which is a percussion quartet, so obviously has four members, and they are Sean Connors, Robert Dillon, David Skidmore, and the aforementioned Peter Martins. So, Peter, now that you've told us about Devante Hines and what a star he is, how <laughs> did Third Coast Percussion end up getting to know him and working with him? We were so lucky to be in the right place and the right time. And this came out through another collaborative project that we had, and we were working with an amazing dance company, Hubbard Street Dance. It was also a local Chicago company, world-renowned, though, one of the premier contemporary dance companies in the world. And they're a company that we had done a little bit of collaborating with in previous seasons, but we had wanted to create a larger performance project with them. We premiered that program in the fall of 2018, so about a year ago. It was an evening-length performance of all-new music as well as all-new choreography. It was Third Coast Percussion's responsibility to commission the new music, and it was Hubbard Street Dance's responsibility to get the new choreography together. And when we knew that we were doing that project, we were you know, tossing around a couple names of different composers that we wanted to work with that we thought would be a good fit for that particular project. But then we got to know a couple of the choreographers that were signed on for the project. Uh, one of them was Emma Portner, who's an amazing young Canadian choreographer, and we were talking to her about the music, and we were actually mentioning a couple names of people that we're thinking of, but then she actually tossed out the name Devante Hines, who was somebody that she had worked with and collaborated with in the past. I'm not sure exactly the specifics on that, but it was definitely a colleague or a close friend of hers, and we're like, hey, yeah, that would be great. Put him in touch with us, and maybe we can talk about it and see what the possibility would be like. And getting in touch with him, talking with him about the project, we had him out here in Chicago visiting us and in our studio and listening to us play and talking about, 
scope of the work and what we were looking forward to and what we were looking for, we realized it was just going to be a really an amazing collaboration. We were just really fortunate that Emma Portner, who was one of the choreographers of that project with Hubbard Street Dance, knew Devante Hines and was close with them and made that introduction. Now, this album represents Hines' debut, or at least on disc, as a classical composer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, just a man of many talents. And he is you know, mostly known for his work in the R&B and the popular music world. But he's just such an amazing musical voice. As an instrumentalist, too, he's a wonderful cellist. He's a wonderful guitarist. You, you see him playing guitar mostly with Blood Orange. But he's also an incredible pianist. Probably the first time, I think, that I saw Devante Hines wasn't even him playing any music, but it was him interviewing the composer Philip Glass. For anybody who's listening, you can Google this video. And it's an amazing video where Devontae Hines is sitting down with Philip Glass and talking about his history and talking about his music. And then we later learned that Devontae Hines has actually toured around the country performing some of Philip Glass's etudes on piano. So again, Devontae Hines, he's just a musician of many talents that is not just confined to one sort of genre or one sort of path. That was just really exciting for us. And his method of composition was different, or the, the process of composition and working with him, collaborating with him, was different than other collaborative experiences that we've had in the past. But it was actually a really, really inspiring way of working, where Devontae Hines was creating the bulk of his music in a DAW or a digital audio workstation, so on a laptop, performing the stuff himself via a keyboard controller, but then a recording it into a sequencing program and then he would organize it into the different parts for the different players and then he'd send us all that information and sometimes that information would just be the audio tracks or the stems uh, themselves sometimes it would be some music notation as well and sometimes it would actually just be the MIDI information <laughs> or, or the computer code you know, that we could use. We took that information or all of that material that he was creating, and then from that, we workshopped it and found the most interesting or compelling ways for us to map all of that musical material onto our unique instruments. Speaking of Heinz's musical style, in his biography, he actually notes or cites Debussy, Satie, and Puccini as major influences on his sense of melody and timbre. How do you feel that in his music? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And there's a certain warmth. There's sort of this placid sensibility and this warmth and this introspective sound that, like, absolutely, especially with Satie and Debussy. It's interesting. I hadn't heard that reference before, but I absolutely hear it in my head, for sure. Now, it's interesting. In the program listing, tracks are listed as performed by Third Coast Percussion and Devontae Hines. And in fact, that was true of the track we just heard. Other tracks like Perfectly Voiceless is performed just by Third Coast Percussion. What is the <laughs> distinction there and, and what, what does him being listed as a performer mean in these cases? Absolutely. Yeah. And again, it's a little bit more unique in terms of our recording output and, and certainly unique in, I guess, what you would think of as a classical world. So Devante Hines, in addition to the musical material that he was creating specifically for Third Coast Percussion to play, he was also creating a lot of musical material that was generally a synthesizer-based musical material. And he wasn't entirely sure whether or not it would be something that we would then play ourselves or find a way for us to play on stage via a keyboard, or if it was something that we wanted to have in a backing track. And ultimately, we actually did both. <laughs> it was a combination of both, and that, that came out through the process of working with Hubbard Street Dance and that performance aspect of the music on this album. But some of those tracks, some of those audio stems that Devante Hines created, some of them are just these amazing sonic landscapes. We just kept them as is. So they were Devante Hines playing that material and that we just dropped them right on top of the musical material that we were playing. So all of the tracks that Devante Hines is playing on is him playing, creating those audio tracks for us. Well, let's hear another example now. This is the next track you've chosen is right in the middle of the piece for all its fury. It's the one titled Gather. What can you tell us about this one? It's a, about as far away in terms of character as you can get from the other track that we listened to, Coil. This is a much more dark and introspective moment of the piece. What was fun for us was to figure out the instrumentation that would best suit this character. And in this case, we chose to work with tuned glass bottles. I'm sure everybody has had the experience of blowing into a glass bottle when you blow across the top and it creates a tone. So we got a lot of bottles together <laughs> and tuned them all to specific pitches. And so the musical material that Devante Hines created, the melody and chord structures, we actually performed all of those on tuned glass bottles that we were blowing through. 
Well, let's definitely hear that now. So this is the first part of the track called Gather from the piece called For All Its Fury. This is a performance by Third Coast Percussion with the composer Devante Hines from Fields, their new album on CD Records. We just heard a section of a track titled Gather from a piece called For All Its Fury by Devante Hines, performed and orchestrated by Third Coast Percussion on their new album, Fields, music of Devante Hines. And if you like what you're hearing, by the way, you can find it on cdrecords.org. That's C-E-D-I-L-L-E records.org or anywhere else music is sold, whether it's physical albums from CD or Amazon or archive music or downloads from iTunes or Apple or streaming on Spotify or some of the new classically oriented streaming sites like iDagio and Primephonic. Wherever music is, we're there, and I hope you'll be sure to check out this great new album. Now, it is fair to say that these are all your or Third Coast Percussion's orchestrations, right? Yeah. By third, so, all, in fact, all the tracks are you're essentially your De- orchestrations, right? Definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and again, it's it was a really fun and unique way for us to work and something that we're more excited about and more of our collaborative projects are ending up, you know, working out like this is, as a percussionist, we're not defined by a single instrument. It's, it's different for a composer who's writing for a string quartet. They know exactly the instruments that they're writing for. A composer that's writing for a percussion quartet, anything can be a percussion instrument. You have actual instruments from, you know, every culture and every country or every continent throughout the world has their own unique percussion tradition. Percussion we can think of as maybe the oldest musical instrument next to the human voice. There's just so many Mm -hmm. examples throughout the world. So you have all of those instruments that already exist. But then there's all these things that can be a percussion instrument. We talked with the track Gather and we chose to score that for tuned glass bottles. Is that a percussion instrument? It just depends on what your definition of percussion is. Obviously, we're not striking anything or hitting anything with a mallet, a stick, or our hand. But percussion is one of those instruments that is just completely undefinable. One of the things that I find so exciting about being a percussionist is that I have this never-ending pool of instruments and sound-creating devices to choose from. So the interesting thing about this project was rather than having Devante Hines specifically say, like, this needs to be on this specific instrument, this needs to be on a vibraphone, or this needs to be on a marimba, or this needs to be on tuned glass bottles, or, you know, anything, he really left it up to us. He spent time with us in our studio and got to see all of our instruments and all these different ways that we create sound, and he really fell in love with all of our different sound-creating devices and was really excited about hearing how we would like to interpret the music that he was creating. So now we come to the title track of the album, which is also (laughs) the final track of the big piece, the multi-section or movement piece for all its fury. Why is this Fields the uh, (laughs) title track? That's a very, very good question. The title definitely came after the music was created. The title itself is actually 
a reference to one of the conversations that we were having with Devante Hines in the very early stages of this project when he was creating the music. When he was talking about writing music that he was specifically writing, or at least initially he was writing this to be a music that people would create dance to. And he specifically said that he wanted to create a field of sound in which the dancers could play. And that was something that resonated with us at the time and was something that we were constantly reminding ourselves of. And when it came time to start adding titles that we thought would really represent both the individual sections of the pieces, but also the larger pieces themselves. And when we came to this specific track, we're like, yes, this is Fields because it really does embody that spirit of a field of sound in which the dancers could play. One thing that I like about this track is that it really starts reintroducing or bringing back all of the different sound worlds that he had introduced and themes and, and musical ideas that he had introduced throughout earlier in the piece, and it combines them into one last grand finale. This is Fields. Since you mentioned that, you actually performed on stage with the dancers, is that correct? We did, yeah. It was such a fun experience. A little bit terrifying to share the stage with a dancer, I must add, as somebody who's not trained in movement. (laughs) And then you have to share the stage with somebody who's very well trained in movement. Really exciting project. Hubbard Street Dance is, again, one of the most amazing and compelling dance companies that exists in the world today. And it was interesting through that process, not only just to see this wonderful choreography that was created, but actually through that process of designing the choreography and through the comments and the workshopping that was coming with the choreographers, the music actually changed as a result. So both Emma Portner, who was doing choreographies for one of the pieces, you know, she had some suggestions about sections that she wanted extended or sections that she wanted shortened, or maybe she wanted to add a little bit of different character here. So maybe we could sort of reorchestrate this section sound a little bit different, so it reflected the movement that was happening more. The other uh, pair of choreographers, Lil Buck and Zhang Boogs, who actually uh, did all the choreography for the piece that is called uh, There Was Nothing, they also had a lot of suggestions too. Uh, and again, those suggestions were based on the type of movement that they were setting to the music. And so they would come back to us and say like, oh, you know, I, I wish like the, the tempo could pick up a little bit more right here and that'll really help reflect the movement that we're creating. So we'd bring it back to the workshop and talk with Dev about it and come up with different ways to, to sort of reflect some of the movement that was being created with the music. So then that music was then created for that specific performance project. But then when we were going back to the recording project, the music changed again because now all of a sudden we were doing music that didn't have any dance. So sections that lasted five minutes with dance were condensed down to maybe 20 or 30 seconds just because wow. it was one of those things where rather than us vamping on the same <laughs> you know, motive or, or chord progression, which was totally great and totally interesting when it was accompanying dance, but when you were listening to it, at home through speakers or on your headphones. You're like, wow, this is section is going on pretty long time now. <laughs> Maybe we should think about uh, cutting this down. Again, that, that was a really fun process too, an, an important part of the creative process. And it just, uh, it's exciting that music can exist in all these different spaces. And I think what's exciting for us as performers is figuring out ways for that music to best work in those different spaces, whether it's accompanying dance, whether it's in a live performance context with us just playing by ourselves, or whether it's on an album. Those are all different performance spaces that try to tailor the music to those specific places. You mentioned your approach to orchestrating Gather. Did you want to say anything about how Coil was orchestrated? In the early stages of this piece, when Devante Hines was sending us those materials, and again, those materials were both you know notated music that he was sending us, They were audio tracks that he was sending us, and they were just uh, MIDI information or just computer code. And we were taking all that, and we were just trying to make sense of it. And a lot of the audio tracks that he was sending us, it would be four percussion parts that were all scored on vibraphone, and then there would be another electronic track that he created. And it already sounded amazing. We were trying to think of ways that with the keyboard material that he was writing or those four parts for the four percussionists, it's like, okay, well, how can we best realize that? on our own instruments. I mean, it could just exist on a vibraphone. That would be great. But when you consider all the colors and, again, all the instruments that are at our disposal, we wanted to find ways to make it uniquely our own. And that involved us playing anything from more common percussion instruments like marimbas and vibraphones, which you do hear featured a lot throughout all this music, and you definitely hear featured in the excerpt Coil. 
But then there's instruments like tone chimes, which are an educational instrument, actually, that are an instrument that if anybody had ever seen a handbell choir perform, there are instruments that are somewhat like that. And those are instruments that aren't used at all in classical percussion. It was an instrument that I discovered because my wife is a music educator and she had a set of them in her classroom and I took one look at them and said, can I please borrow those? <laughs> and they worked out really, really well. There's tuned metal pipe, which is just galvanized steel tubing that you can buy at a Home Depot store and we cut it to different lengths and that creates different pitches. And it creates this amazing musical sound that sounds like wind chimes that you might hear fluttering around the wind outside of a door, but we can play melodies on them then. And again, that's just one of the exciting things about percussion, that there's all these different sounds, all these different colors that you can discover. Some of them exist already, like marimbas and vibraphones, but some others you can create yourself just from objects that you see every day around you. What percent of the instruments you use would you say you are creating? Oh, gosh. I think for this project, quite a few of them. Yeah, quite a few. And some of them were instruments that we had used in the past from other projects that hadn't resurfaced for a while. We used these Japanese singing bells in Japan. They're called dubachi, but we have a, a three-octave set of these instruments, actually. And the only reason we have them is because there's an amazing Chicago-based composer, Augusta Reed Thomas, who wrote us a piece scored exclusively for those instruments. And before this time, we had only used those instruments on her piece. But when we came to this and we were orchestrating them, and we found some really unique moments where they would sound just gorgeous in this piece, and so we were able to pull them out. Is there anything particular you'd want to say about the instrumentation of fields? Again, one of the interesting things about this was, one, we wanted to make it really colorful, and we wanted to incorporate all these different sounds, whether or not they were standard percussion instruments or not-so-standard percussion instruments. But we also were designing this to be a performance piece that we were going to be touring with Hubbard Street Dance. And we were actually sharing the stage with the Hubbard Street dancers. So there's only so many instruments we could have on stage. So we were definitely limited in terms of our footprint. And then through that process working with Hubbard too, we were trying to find instruments that could be mobile or would allow us to move around the stage. When you're playing a large marimba, it sounds beautiful, but you can't move with it. It's like playing a piano. Great instrument, but it's not going to move around. So we were looking for percussion instruments that we could move around the stage, and the tone chimes were definitely one of those instruments. There's a really special moment in the piece where you hear nothing but tone chimes. And when we were performing it with Hubbard Street Dance, we actually had a couple of the dancers playing those instruments with us, and it was a very special moment. Earlier you mentioned the denouement of fields, so why don't we go to that, hear how the big piece ends. <laughs> so this is the ending of the ending. This is the last track, Fields, from For All Its Fury, performed by Third Coast Percussion with Devante Hines, the composer, from the album Fields on Sadie Records. Thank you. 
You just heard a portion of a track titled Fields, which is the title track of an album on CD Records featuring Third Coast Percussion performing the music of British pop star Devante Hines in his album debut as a classical composer. And he actually performed synthesizer with the percussion quartet on that particular track. And it's from a piece titled For All Its Fury, one of three pieces on the album. And we're actually going to get to the other two pieces now, which come at the end of the album after the larger piece, the multi-section piece. The next one is titled Perfectly Voiceless. And in the press materials, it says here, Philip Glass-style minimalism gives way to a catchy pop melody. What can, you, <laughs> can you expound on that? Yeah, I mean, that actually kind of sums up the piece. <laughs> there is uh, regularly repeating melodic motives that are orchestrated through a variety of different percussion instruments uh, that are looped and looped over and over and create this really kaleidoscopic, energized musical statement that's very much rooted in early minimalism. You know, early minimalism of Steve Reich and Philip Glass and uh, Terry Ridley, which is definitely a big influence. I mentioned earlier in this interview how much Dev Hines respected and was inspired by Philip Glass and has even toured a lot playing Philip Glass's music. And you definitely hear a lot of that early minimalism in his compositional output, not just for us, but even in some of his music that he writes for Blood Orange. So there's a lot of that imperfectly voiceless but then there's also just really playful sections of the piece that have really fun playful melodies on top that are simple but joyful and just really really fun to play and when we perform this for audiences this is always an audience favorite because the way that the music speaks to them it's funny how there's so much especially in new music and contemporary music there is so much seriousness in the repertoire that we play and that's very important and there's a lot of characters and emotions that we're communicating but I always find myself feeling refreshed <laughs> when I get to those musical moments that can be silly and get to those musical moments that can be fun and there are definitely a couple of those moments here in Perfectly Voiceless. So this is one of the tracks that's only third coast percussion correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. Again, Devontae Hines chose not to use any other external synthesizer or any other audio elements in it. He wanted it to be exclusively just in an acoustic piece. What was your approach to orchestrating this piece? With this one, because this is the one piece that actually didn't have any choreography to it, it was part of that performance project with Hubbard Street, but this piece was specifically designed to be the intermission piece, <laughs> so the piece that the dancers weren't going to be playing on. So for us, that allowed us to maybe experiment with a couple other different percussion instruments that weren't involved in the rest of the things that in the performance we actually just wheeled onto stage just for this moment. The dancers actually did that for us. Dancers wheeled on special instruments for this piece and then wheeled them back off at the end of it. It was a special moment context of the performance, but now Perfectly Voiceless has been the one piece that we are consistently touring. I and mean, we're touring all throughout the season on a variety of programs that we're performing. All right, well, let's hear a section of the piece that includes some of that playfulness, as you say. This is a portion of Perfectly Voiceless by Devante Hines, performed by Third Coast Percussion on their new album, Fields. <laughs> Thank you. 
That was a section of a piece called Perfectly Voiceless, performed by Third Coast Percussion, and Third Coast Percussion is Sean Connors, Robert Dillon, Peter Martin, and David Skidmore. And I'm here with Peter Martin on this Classical Chicago podcast on Sadie Records because Fields, the album the piece is from, Music of Devante Hines, is the new release for Sadie Records for October 2019. And we have one piece left to go with a very evocative title, There Was Nothing. There must be something to this piece, though, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This this is. Uh, I think even like the the title itself almost sort of reflects to how like the piece opens up with these very sweeping chords that are played via synthesizer. On this particular one, though, it's actually third coast percussion that is playing it live via keyboard. But yeah, it starts with these very sweeping chords that sort of emerge from nothing, and the piece it goes through a lot of different character shifts, but ultimately just builds and builds and builds all the way to the very end. It's a really exciting piece. When this piece was originally created, it was created in collaboration not only with Devante Hines, but also we were working with the choreographers John Boogs and Lil Buck, who make up a team of choreographers called MAI. Wonderful, wonderful dancers. Just uh, I can't say enough. For all of the classical music enthusiasts out there, if you just Google Yo-Yo Ma, Lil Buck, you will be amazed at what you see right there. John Boogs and Lil Buck are amazing artists and amazing dancers and just amazing creative people. As this piece of music evolved, they also had a lot of input and uh, were really excited about the instruments that we had at our disposal. They had very specific ideas in different areas of the music of how they wanted that to represent the movement that they were creating for the dancers. And in one particular section, which was amazing, uh, which I loved even before we took it to the choreographers, but they wanted a little bit more energy in the section that had existed previously. So we ended up going back to the drawing board with it and creating some different sort of rhythmic language that would go throughout the music that ended up serving the piece really well and I think ends up being a special moment not only just in that individual piece but in the album itself. In the spirit of... The rest of the music, some of this instrumentation is similar to the sounds that you'll hear in both For All Its Fury as well as Perfectly Voiceless. But there's also some new elements. And in this middle section, you hear more drums and percussion, non-pitched percussion. You hear more of that in this piece than in any of the other repertoire on the album. So this is right from the middle of There Was Nothing, the final track on the album Fields. Music by Devante Hines, performance by Third Coast Percussion, in this case with the composer as well.
We heard a portion of the track or piece, There Was Nothing, music by Devante Hines, performance by Third Coast Percussion and Devante Hines from their album, Fields, new release on CD Records for October 2019. Peter, now that people have had a chance to hear selections from the different pieces, what would you like them to take away from when they hear the whole program? (laughs) That's a really good question. Again, I just hope that they get a good sense of how strong of a voice Devante Hines is as a musician and as an artist and how eclectic his artistic output is. I would encourage everybody to not only continue to listen to our album, but also seek out other material from Devante Hines, particularly his work with Blood Orange. But if you just follow him via socials, you'll also see that he's just an incredibly creative person who's involved in a variety of different artistic disciplines. He directs and produces all of his own music videos. He's highly involved in fashion. He's just really, really just a wonderful and creative person. I would just encourage everybody to really explore all of the artistic output of Devante Hines more. And Sadie Records will be happy to help with that. Every month on Spotify, we create a new playlist based on our new release, when we have a new release, which is almost every month. And our playlist for October will be selections from Third Coast Percussion and selections from Devante Hines slash Blood Orange all mixed together. And when the album is released on October 11, we'll add tracks from the new album as well. And at that time, of course, you can stream the whole album, Fields, on Spotify and purchase it as well as a physical CD or as a download or whatever way you like to get your music, whether it's on sadierecords.org or on the many other sites that sell and stream music on the internet, or if you happen to live where there's an actual record store as well. (laughs) So I hope you will want to check out this album after hearing all this. Before we end this podcast, we always like to ask two questions, and the first is, what's next for Third Coast Percussion? So many things are happening right now for Third Coast Percussion. This fall, while we're releasing this new album, Fields, we're doing a ton of touring as usual, doing a lot of international touring. If you happen to live in England or Italy or as far away as Lithuania, uh, please (laughs) check out our calendar and maybe we'll see you at a show, making our first appearance down in South America, in Colombia, in Bogota, and Medellin. And that's really exciting. Also doing a ton of touring this fall throughout the continental U.S. If you're in the Southwest, look us up. If you're on the West Coast, look us up. Doing some amazing new premieres this fall as well. Really excited in October. Actually, right around the same time that we dropped this album, we're doing the world premiere of a new piece by Danny Elfman, which is really, really fantastic. Can't be more thrilled about that. And obviously a wonderful musical voice. This will be the first piece that he's ever written for Percussion Ensemble. In Chicago, if you're Chicago local, on October 12th at the Logan Center, and this is part of the Chicago Center for Contemporary Composition. And at that concert, we'll be doing another world premiere by an amazing Austrian composer, Jörg Friedrich Haas, and that's an amazing new piece of music that we're really excited to be able to premiere here in Chicago, in our hometown. We're building so many other new pieces, too. We're working with an amazing electronica artist, Jay Lin, We'll be premiering some of that music next spring, working with another wonderful composer, Tyundai Braxton, New York-based. We're also going to be premiering his music later on this season. We were just this week workshopping with some of my favorite musicians and instrumentalists on the planet, Sergio and Clarissa Saad. I'm really excited about that project. It's going to be a performance project that's going to be premiering after the new year. But we're also really excited because we're going to be recording it for a future release on Sadie Records. <laughs> for anybody who's not familiar with the Assads, Clarice Assad and Sergio Assad, as Clarice is the daughter of Sergio Assad. Clarice is a wonderful and talented multi-instrumentalist, great pianist, singer. I just found out yesterday that she's an amazing guitarist and bass player because she brought those instruments to our studio and played them really well. She's an amazing, talented composer and arranger and just all-around wonderful person. So she's music am- has appeared on many Sadie recordings. Yeah, <laughs> an amazing musical voice. And then Sergio Assad. What does one say about Sergio Assad? He's a man that transcends his instrument, like absolutely one of the finest guitarists in the world, not only today, but anytime, <laughs> ever. And maybe best known for performing as a duo with his brother, Odair. Yeah, and again, another wonderful human being, wonderful musician. Yesterday in our studio workshopping with them, I had one of those experiences as a musician where you are watching somebody else play and you realize that they again, completely transcend their instrument (laughs) and that you're in the presence of of true greatness. So that's a really, really amazing project that involves original music, not only by the Assads, Sergio and his daughter Clarice, but also by Third Coast Percussion. We're all writing music for each other. It's going to be fantastic. So excited about that. There are so many things that my group Third Coast Percussion is doing. 
look us up. If you're in Chicago, we'll be doing plenty of concerts upcoming in the future. And if you're not in Chicago, look us up and find when we're coming to a city or town near you. Well, speaking of Chicago, we always like to ask, what makes the Chicago music scene special for you? I wasn't born here. None of my bandmates were actually born here, too. But Chicago is absolutely part of our identity. As a group, it's where we met. It's where we've been based since the very beginning. It's what our name is in reference to. <laughs> There's something about this city, and, and I've lived in a lot of cities. I've moved around a lot over my years. But there's something truly amazing about this city culturally. One, just how diverse and eclectic it is and so many things going on. But I think even more than that, it's just how supportive that musical culture or just artistic culture is in general of everybody. I've always been really amazed and overwhelmed by how supportive musicians working in a variety of aesthetics and genres are of each other in the city. It's, it's really a wonderful place to be an artist. I can't imagine both myself and even my ensemble, Third Coast Percussion, being able to accomplish what we've accomplished without being in Chicago, how, having that presence in Chicago. It's just a wonderful place to be. And new music, you have ensembles like Eighth Blackbirds, Spectral Quartet, Don Niente doing amazing things and are amazing and inspiring voices for us. You know, even just to be in a city in the presence of all these amazing artists, it's inspiring and it's energizing. Well, thank you so much, Peter. The new album, again, is titled Fields, performances by Third Coast Percussion, music by Devante Hines, also known as Blood Orange, the composer, also performing on many of the tracks on CD Records. Again, it's our October release for 2019. The album officially ships or drops on October 11th. And this has been another Classical Chicago podcast. I'm Jim Ginsberg, founder and president of CD Records. Thank you for listening.